Purple Insider presented by Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com slash insider and learn about the Tall Boy can, which actually has water. Find out where you can get it near you at liquiddeath.com slash insider. of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here, and joining me is Eric Eager, who has now left Pro Football Focus to join Sumer Sports to take over the National Football League and its analytics. Uh, Eric, I'm, I'm very happy for you with this move from PFF to Sumer Sports, and I'm listening to your new show that you are doing with Thomas Dimitrov, former NFL general manager. But I have to say, and this is with respect to Ben Brown and Brad Spielberger, guys that have come on the show and I love them, the forecast it will never be the same without you and George together. So I'm happy for you, but I'm also a little sad because that's my that's my jogging show. So now I'm having to like split. It's like when your parents break up or something. Well, and, and honestly, that's like how, you know, and I, I don't know if, if George will listen to this, but like, it sort of is how it felt. It was sort of like a breakup. You know, you're, you're both, you're both, you know, graduating, going to college or something like that in different towns and it just wasn't going to work. And I know we did a few shows after I announced and, you know, we did our, our final show. And, and I got to say, like, I cried enough at the end of that show where I was, I was dead ass supposed to go on the show that I do with Seren Petro, the red, gold, and bold uh, show with he, him, me, and Jeff Chadia. And I'm like, guys, I got to be like 10 minutes late here. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying, I, I'm trying to, to get around this, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it certainly, it was four and a half years and uh, one Vikings playoff appearance. Um, but I, wow. uh, I, I uh, really enjoyed that show. Um, and, you know, I'm really enjoying uh, getting to uh, learn from Thomas and, and learn from some really sharp people uh, who have both worked in the league, who have worked outside the league as consultants uh, with Sumer. That was one of the reasons I really liked Sumer. You know, the idea of Sumer sports was, you know, everybody that, you know, at PFF, I mean, Timo Risky was a genius in my estimation. Ben Brown was fantastic. Brad Spielberger is amazing as, as your listeners know. Uh, it was good to, you know, go to another group that had, you know, fantastic talent and, and working on very interesting problems. Right. So you're creating this podcast that people can listen to the Sumer sports show. It's S U M E R and also working on the other side, which is building products for teams and things like that, uh, which I won't ask you to go deep into, but it's a very cool advancement of your career. Happy to hear it. But now we need to talk about the Minnesota Vikings who are five and one. You started this off taking a jab, how they've missed the playoffs, but now it's all, all, all actually going to take work for them to miss the playoffs yeah. after they've started five and one. I, I think we need to just begin with the broad discussion and maybe you could tell me kind of how we should look at this from a numbers perspective. When you start off a season this hot, it's almost hard to let it slip through your fingers, which I know Vikings fans are going like, Oh, is that a dare? Um, <laughs> because this team has before, but the landscape of the league is what I really want to focus on here with you. What yeah. is going on? on with this league just today as we record this Arizona lost their guard and they lost their starting wide receiver Carson Wentz gets hurt for Washington and oh look those are the Vikings next two opponents I looked at the PFF passing grades and went down the list 
they are the lowest I've ever seen outside, outside of like the top three. You have Jalen Hurts is playing fantastic football. Josh Allen is just like John Elway out there. And of course, Patrick Mahomes and those guys are at the top. And then it's like everybody else looks like Daniel Jones uh, and, and is comparable to him. Kirk is ranked sixth, and this is by far the worst he's played as a Minnesota Viking quarterback. So I, your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, I mean, I growing up in Minnesota, I remember them starting five and one in, in 04, uh, finishing three and seven and going eight and eight and then beating Green Bay in the playoffs. You know, sort of knowing how this can go. The prior year to that, Mike Tice started six and oh, finished three and seven again, missed the playoffs. Uh, and then, you know, you your first year covering the team in, in 16, they start off five and oh and miss the playoffs. So, you know, they certainly can happen. But, you know, I, I was just looking at the PFF simulation, the one that uh, myself and Timo Riske built, and, and they have the Vikings not only with a 76% chance to make the playoffs, but it was 76% to win the division, right? So, you know, that you know that bodes well for Minnesota Green Bay playing horribly, to your point, right? Like, there was a lot of stuff that happened this offseason, and – you know, when I when I think back, when I think back back to the the Quasi Adolfo Mensa hire, the Kevin O'Connell hire, and you know, we kind of looked at that, and you know, it was obviously cool for somebody like me, for for somebody like Quasi to get a job like that, and you know, when they made the decision to sign Kirk Cousins for a year, and you know, go into the future, we saw the the USA Today article by Jory Epstein, uh, where where Adolfo Mensa said, you know, Kirk's not a great quarterback, but He's our quarterback and, you know, more or less, and he got a lot of a flack for that. And he's been right about that, but he's also been right about the league as a whole and how flat it was, it was to be. And you think about it, well, okay, Tom Brady's 45 years old. Like at some point, the, 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 the ball's got to fall off the table with him. You know, Drew Brees retired a couple of years ago. Philip Rivers t- retired a couple of years ago. Big Ben, you know, retired a couple of years ago, uh, you know, morally and, 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 and absolutely this off season. And, and sort of you see, okay, you have a drafts like, you know, the 2018 draft, which had a lot of first-round quarterbacks. Really only two have been any good, right? The the 2019 draft, you talk about, you know, Daniel Jones. That was mostly a flop, although his team's 5-1. and one. Uh, Kyler Murray got a contract extension, but does he's not he's not one of those like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes guys. Um, and, and so you go through the list and you're like, well, the, where's the next quarterbacks coming up? And you also saw what I thought to be a great sort of repositioning of teams, right? So A.J. Brown goes from Tennessee where he's a huge surplus to Ryan Tannehill, a, a, you know, let's be honest, an overpaid quarterback the same way that Kirk Cousins is an overpaid quarterback. But when you have, much like the Vikings do, a wide receiver who's transcendent making, you know, first-round pick money, you can make it work, right? And then, you know, he's up for a contract, so then he goes to Philly to play with a guy who's a $1 million quarterback. Well, now Ryan Tannehill, what's he going to do with his hands at this point, right? And, and, you know, you look at Aaron Rodgers, you had him and Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams goes to Vegas and plays with Derek Carr. Well, Derek Carr's not good enough to – fully be a Super Bowl team even when he has Adams so there's a a great sort of uh regression there but then there's regression in Green Bay because as we saw with the Vikings in week one who's he gonna throw to you know and so you know other than you know Allen who I think we all agree if you took Stephon Diggs away he'd still be good 
and Mahomes, which you already saw. They took Tyreek Hill away, replaced him with Smith-Schuster, Valdez-Scantling, and, and Sky Moore. That's the second-best offense in the league right now. Like, other than those guys, and there's probably two of them in the league altogether, like, everybody else is getting smushed to the middle. And credit Adafo Mensa. He saw that, and he said, look, if we can just get above, like, average coaching – at the end of games, special teams, like at the margins, take a team that basically played a bunch of one-score games last year with an easy schedule. And, and look, I, I think five and one is well beyond how they've played, but five and one was within the realm of possibility. And in fact, if they had gotten unlucky, let's say lost to Detroit and lost to, you know, one of the two, New Orleans, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, Chicago – even if they were three and three right now, I think they'd be in a much better position than they had been the previous two seasons. So credit to them for understanding the landscape of the league and which is bad, like un, unequivocally bad. This landscape of the league is bad and, and uh, it, it's going to make for an interesting second half. It's crazy because I think the fully healthy roster last year is better than this fully yes. healthy roster. And uh, I think that compared to 2018 or 2019, I don't even think it's close. I think those teams are much better than what they are running out right now. But you look at last year's schedule and it was actually pretty hard. Um, at the time, we thought the Bengals was a bad loss and then they went to the Super Bowl and, and Arizona turned out to be a pretty good team. So some of the teams they lost close to early on when they had the full roster, but then when they had some injuries as they went along, that's where things fell apart. And this team has been completely healthy outside of some rookies that weren't making contributions anyway. That's a huge element of this when you talk about living on the razor's edge and winning games in the final minutes or by one score, well, you're a lot healthier than the Miami Dolphins who had more injuries within the game than you've had all season long, which I think, you know, plays into this as well. And that's why with Kwesi Adafo Mensa in the direction, and by the way, the owners even said they were the ones that set the direction. So I'm not sure I want to yeah. go like all in saying this GM uh, brilliantly solved this coming. I, I think that was the owner's uh, edict from the very beginning. And then he followed it. And I'm not even sure that they followed it in the best way they could have. Because when you look at some of the short-term plays, okay, Zadarius Smith was a good one. That is a multi-year contract, so it's a little bit more extended out. Harrison Phillips has been okay. That's a multi-year contract, all right. But some of these other ones, like those are really short-term deals that are going to punch huge holes in your roster in the future that I'm not sure how exactly you're going to, to fix. And extending someone like Adam Thielen, who is averaging like nine yards a catch at this point, I mean, there were just a lot of moves that, that, that wouldn't have made a huge difference to where they are now. And, and one of them is at quarterback. Marcus Mariota averages a whole yard per attempt more than Kirk Cousins yeah. at this moment. I mean, are they not five and one with him or four and two with him? And yet you're spending a lot less. You could fill up the other parts of the roster better. Atlanta's not even a good team. They're 500. So I think there's like a counterpoint to the like, well, they brilliantly saw it coming. Like, or has everything so much gone their way that it kind of looks like this? And now the big question is, can you turn this good break of a five and one start? And I mean, they could very easily be seven and one when they play Arizona and when they play uh, Washington, can you turn this into something real? Which I, which is my next question for you is like, if I told you that they turn this into something real and they won 12 games and we're at the top of the NFC right behind, say, Philadelphia, how would that have to happen? Because right now the statistical indicators are suggesting that's not a thing that they should be able to do. 
Yeah, they're they're thirteenth. I think they'll go up a little bit, but they're they're thirteenth in PFS power rankings. They're like seventeenth in football outsider CBOA, which I can cite now that I don't work for PFF anymore. And uh, and you know the the market ratings have you know Ben Baldwin's market ratings have them right around you know middle the you know uh, middle you know tenth right tenth to twelfth or so. Um, but that's again because not a lot of teams in the NFL. Like the the funny thing is relative, like you said, like. Even relative to last the last two years, the big difference is the quarterback play is worse, like much worse. And in fact, you know, we the last time you and I were on the show together, I said they could perform better and Cousins could have worse statistics. And part of me is thinking to myself, it's like these two things have been roughly similar the last two years, except when you play better teams, you have to like have it forces the quarterback to be aggressive at the end of the games when they're behind. And that's where he piles up some of the statistics. Now it's not meaningless, right? Because he does in many cases, bring the team back and take a lead. And he's done that this year against new Orleans. He's done that this year against Chicago. Um, he did that. Um, you know, uh, you know, he's done that before and he actually had some big throws the other day, but like within that, all the three and outs, those have been there for a couple years now. You know, it's just that when they're, when they're, a combination and, and I'm going to say I'm going to heavily lean towards when it's a combination of playing bad teams with backup quarterbacks you never get to see the one drive a game that takes Kirk Cousins from 6.5 yards per pass attempt to 7.5 yards per pass attempt because they don't have to like they're ahead in these games so you never see you know Kirk Cousins you know one two three throw a deep ball to Justin Jefferson you can you know as a you know as an observer decide which division of credit you want there I'm going to go more on Jefferson than Cousins but you know, they, they that part of that part is censored out of his data this year because they're ahead because they're playing worse teams. You know, the defense is like 21st in, in football outsiders DVOA. Um, you are seeing good pressure numbers, but you also are seeing like significant chunk plays. You look at that Chicago team, and that's a team that scored seven points on Sunday or at home on Thursday night against a bad Washington team that put up good numbers against you and and if cam dancer doesn't make a, an incredible in, individual play uh you might lose that game um so to answer your question like they it's so weird because a, this five and one team needs to turn it around to actually be good now the benefit is we've seen this team turn it around before in the middle of the season we saw it in 2020 they started one and five they got to six and six um last season they started one and three they got to 500 a few times they have been able to turn around. The, the 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 two things I want to say is stacking up five wins in the first six games is not insignificant because if you turn it around, you're going to be adding to those five wins, which means you're going to get playoff seating that you're going to want. You're going to get home games in in January, and that's wonderful. The question is, is like we've also seen the same thing happen. They start out slowly, they turn it around in the middle of the year, and they 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 don't figure it out in the end of the season. And then if that happens this year, they're very likely going to be a playoff team that goes into, much like 2019, goes into the playoffs a little bit weaker than we all expected. I think, for example, the 2019 season, that team in the middle of the year was as good as it was ever was that year. And I do know they beat New Orleans, but when they went to San Francisco, they were truly outclassed by a 49ers team that made the Super Bowl. So I, I, I guess my worry is, okay, let's say that that happens. So let's say they figure it out here. 
they win games they're supposed to win. They trail off a little bit at the end because their quarterback looks a little older this year, and he does look a little weaker throwing the football. Adam Thielen, as we predicted, is is pretty much washed at this point. K.J. Osborne has not taken the next step. Dalvin Cook is famine, famine, feast, and you know, as the end of the season goes, those feasts might go away. Offensive line has been shaky. The rookies are not going to offer anything this year. Let's say Tampa, Green Bay, L.A., and Philly, Philly's already good, but let's say those teams all figure it out. Are the Vikings a favorite in the playoffs? I would say no, um, but I do think they'll. You know, I do think that the answer is is they can be. They can be a for real team, but I think the most likely outcome is they're going to go into the playoffs with a pretty damn good record, and we're going to be surprised that they're not even favored by that much in those games. And we're also going to be surprised. Like we, you know, we might also see an upset by a team that just comes in with a much better quarterback because that's the 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 recipe in the playoffs. And unfortunately right now, uh, I think most Vikings fans, even the ardent, more, most ardent Kirk Cousins supporters, don't think that he's got it right now. Yeah, the thing for me that's uh, that I kind of am swinging back and forth on is we have certainly seen sections of seasons from Kirk Cousins where he averaged six yards a pass and where he had an 80-something quarterback rating and didn't grade particularly well by PFF. Heck, the end of last season. And and this is where I can run this right now if my uh, computer won't melt while I'm trying to do this. But I, I mean, if we go back to the end of last season and look at the extended sample size on cousins, there is some reason to be like, uh, what exactly is, is going on here? But there's also reason to think that because of his history, he has progression, I guess, where he can like have one of those hot months and he certainly has the upcoming opponents to think about it. Let me look at it. Like what his last 17 games looks. Like. Oh, it's uh pro football reference is just exploding as I try to do this. So that is not helping me, but uh, not, not the website. I'm just having trouble searching the game log. But even if we go back to the end of last year, like it's now been a while since he has looked like the guy who puts up like those huge numbers you talk about. And he had like a 70 yard game that they won against Chicago last year, had a game against Los Angeles. That was a I mean, major Pittsburgh, struggle. That was mostly Dalvin cook. And, and, right, you, right. Know, and I, you know, it, it's tough because the, the questions that I have it, are when, when's the Calvary coming right in 2020, you had no Justin Jefferson in the first two games and Kirk looked horrendous. You put Jefferson in against Tennessee. He was amazing. And you sort of had this buoying stage where once the defense you know, started playing weaker offenses, you saw how this team could win football games. Um, you know, Last year it was Christian Derrishaw. Christian Derrishaw came in in the middle of the season, started protecting the passer a lot better than Rashad Hill did, and you know, we saw great things. I, I think that the hard part, the hard realization right now for Vikings fans is, is barring a trade, and I don't think Adafo Mensa is the kind of general manager who is going to like shove the chip. I, I Look, I know you know the ownership gave him the edict. I also think it's good. It was good on him to sort of, you know, it, it, you know. I think it's going to generate a lot of goodwill this year for him. So I think it was still smart. But I also think that the test for him is going to say, okay, how do you view this season in the landscape of reality? And if he goes and, and blows draft capital on some players to try to get this team into the Super Bowl, I think we have our answer. I think if he doesn't, I think we also have a, an answer, and it's a good one in that he understands where this team sits, you know, are they going to win a Super Bowl game against Buffalo? No, there's no way. I I do not see them beating Josh Allen in a game. Um, you know, Kansas City, 
a little bit weaker, but I still don't think the Vikings have a chance in that game. So, you know, what are you really doing here? Um, I, I think barring a trade, this is as good as personnel as this team's going to get, right? And there, there's no there's no one walking through that door the way they did in 2021 when it was Darisaw. It was a little bit of evolution in the offensive line um, it, it, and, and Dalvin Cook getting a little healthier. And then in 20, it was Justin Jefferson turning into the best wide receiver in football. Like, we're, we don't – look, there's nothing here. Like, do they play Kenny Nwangu? He hasn't had a carry this year. Like, there's no, there's no one sitting on the bench anywhere that's going to make this team better. This is who they are. So I guess my issue with them getting better is going to be where is it going to come from? Thielen, I just think, is on a downward trajectory. Cook is just on a downward trajectory. Maybe Irv Smith gives them something, but I don't think that that's – you know, Justin Jefferson is already amazing. It's as good as it's going to get for Jefferson in this team. And, of course, offensive line has been healthy throughout the whole year. If you sustain an injury or two there, only God knows what will happen then. So I think that it's – that's the worry is like you you much like 2017 just have to hope that the team stays healthy for the majority of the season and 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 you know i yeah that that's the tricky part for the vikings here is is health because every other team in large part is struggling because they've lacked that folks those who know me well are aware that i'm not a big drinker but when my neighbors recently dropped by they were surprised to see a bunch of tall boy cans laying around no, I didn't change my life choices. Those cans were liquid death water. In particular, I've become a big fan of the sparkling lime flavor. As you know, I'm a big soda guy, but I'm starting to think that water might be a little better choice for the health side. Speaking of which, it's ironic that it's better for you and it's called liquid death. But liquid death is trying to murder your thirst and plastic bottles. Aluminum is simply better for the environment because a large portion of plastic that you try to recycle just ends up as garbage because it is not profitable to recycle. So Liquid Death puts its money where its mouth is and donates 10% of their profits to killing plastic so give liquid death a try if you're not a drinker but you want to fit in in social situations bring a liquid death can of water with you pick it up at target high v whole foods or go to liquiddeath.com insider that's liquiddeath.com insider and use their store locator So I, I got it to work. Uh, last 10 games for Cousins. Now, so he had, when they lost to Detroit, he had a big statistical game that day in, in the Detroit loss. After that, though, was the Pittsburgh game. And that's when everything looked weird. But that's also when Thielen got hurt and has never been the same. And he limps every game now. And I think that might be playing into the explosiveness where the separation down the field just isn't the same. So Thielen went down in that Detroit game and uh, didn't play against Pittsburgh and, and so forth. And so in the last 10 games, Cousins has an 89.4 quarterback rating and averages 6.91 yards per pass attempt. Those are numbers that you would expect if you had to start like an average backup quarterback for 10 games that you would, he's got 17 touchdowns, nine picks, 237 yards passing per game. Like those are not star quarterback numbers at all. And I think that if you're asking where it can get better is if those numbers get better, if they start right. to come back around, because I did an, I, I did a statistical bad and I did the arbitrary endpoint, but I, but I also did when you don't have two receivers. And this is something that you have really looked into uh, in the past is 
when you rely on one guy all the time, that there's answers for that. And the other day when Justin Jefferson has 107 yards and they finish with like 178 passing, that that is just not a recipe to beat anyone. So I think that where it really comes, first of all, I'm not going to do I told you so because I feel bad that Lewis Seen got hurt. But if Jamison Williams was coming off the IR right now, boy, that'd be exciting. Uh, anyway, I like, so I, I don't have anything like against, or, or if they, or if they had, I mean, the honest to God's truth. And I, we hate to relitigate this, but like Zadarius Smith is probably the most expensive and best free agent signing the Vikings have made in the Kirk Cousins era second, by the way, or depending upon how you do the contracts, Dalvin Tomlinson, who's also played wonderful football to, you know, Rick Spielman's credit, honestly, last year, um, but like you just didn't have the money to go out there and get a DJ Chark or a, you know, uh, a Christian Kirk or, you know, somebody. And again, like these guys are difference makers in a vacuum. But it, yeah, my research in 2021, you know, looked at, you know, secondary receivers and, you know, an offense goes the EPA for an offense goes as the second and third receivers go. And in fact, in playoff games, which means you're playing teams that are healthy, you're playing teams that have the personnel to beat you, right? And it's why Green Bay has struggled because in 14 games a year, you're playing teams like the Lions and the Vikings and you can just throw at Adams all game, right? But if you're in the playoffs, there is almost no correlation between your EPA in that game throwing the football and how good your number one receiver is. Meaning like they can take your number one receiver out when these games matter the most. And, you know, that's what I worry about because, again, Thielen's been a tremendous Viking. He's probably going to go ring of honor. He's, you know, he's he's in he's among, you know, the great receivers in the franchise. But when you look, his yards per route runs, two, two, 1.75, 1.5. And then this year, I, I, I don't have the numbers after last week. You're talking about like 1.2 yards per route run. A little bit of that is some of them playing three wide receiver sets. And my, my intern, Zach Drapkin, wrote about that. But that also underscores the Vikings went from a two wide receiver offense to a three wide receiver offense, and they didn't get extra wide receivers. They drafted Jalen Naylor out of Michigan state. And, you know, that's just not a way to build a team. And, and the, and, and this isn't to ding Adolfo Mensa because they didn't have the cap space to do it. Right. They needed a, a second pass rusher. They needed, uh, you know, to, you know, uh, shore up a secondary that has somehow stayed together uh, with, with toothpicks and glue. And like, so it's just one of the issues they're going to have to deal with. But to your point, like it would be really nice to get a wide receiver into the room right now because the the stuff they banked on, which is Adam Thielen hanging on and KJ Osborne taking the next step, BC Johnson staying healthy. Of course, that didn't happen. Like none of those things are coming to fruition. Like this is who they're going into the second half of the season with. And unfortunately, like, you know, if, if I was at the poker table, I would I would pick up and go at this point like that. that That's how it goes, because, you know, they, they've already gotten, I think, the best of it. It's kind of a yes and no with the receiver thing, though, because not drafting one waiting until the sixth round is and, and instead, look, uh, the right guard at Ingram may become a good player. He is not a good pass protector right now. In fact, he's one of the worst pass protectors by PFF in the entire league. If you were playing Chris Reed, you're probably better off significantly, which again is like, that's a long-term thing. He could be a good player for you. It's also a guard. And in comparison to the value, another wide receiver, as you just laid out, uh, maybe even in the second round or something could have helped there. I mean, I, I was in on drafting a corner, but they drafted one who had a very significant injury history again with receivers 
They've just ignored receivers in the draft outside of Justin Jefferson for many years now and thought, no, we'll just keep drafting him in the back end. And Osborne is nice, but like the ceiling there is not as high as it is for someone in the first round. Not only that, they also spent money on someone like Jordan Hicks, who again, I I really respect him as a veteran player and he's kind of solid, but then you draft a third round linebacker who's not playing or is barely playing. Where, where did that money go? And then it's, you know, a defensive tackle Harrison Phillips. So I think has been solid against the run, but where did that money go as opposed to what was going to drive you as a successful team, which is really your passing game. So now we've reached a point where it's like, it, that's the relitigation of the off season and a little bit of, and I'm sorry to do it, but a little bit of, I told you so with the, like, you definitely needed another wide receiver here. You don't have one. So for me, it's entirely how do you get KJ Osborne the ball more often? Because he's not going to line up on the outside and roast dudes. Like it's just not, he's not Jefferson. He's not Thielen, but I also think he's much better than what we've seen so far. And this is where it ties in to Kevin O'Connell. This is a real test. In fact, this is maybe a harder test than if you had started off mediocre and everyone was like, I don't know. That's just who they are. Five and one. Now you're expected to yeah. be good, and now and and now you have to fix these things to maintain the good. So I think this is a really great first test for someone who I think has really done a lot of the things that he promised to do. Which, um, if you've seen some of the other coaches around the league, doesn't always happen. Uh, so I'm very impressed with a lot of things, but this I think is his first huge test as a head coach. How do you keep this going when there's a lot of things that I think need to be a little better? if you're going to make it a 12-win season. Yeah, my, my co-host uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs podcast, the Red Gold, Gold and Bold Show, Saran Petro, he said, you know, it's why the, the loser in a rematch has a little bit of advantage because the, the winner, if they change their game plan, people are going to say, well, why the hell did you go away from what worked? I think that's what O'Connell has the issue with. I like I do think, and, and this is a credit to you, I think as, as the best, you know, Vikings content creator out there I think most Vikings fans look at this team and they're like it's not a very good team right like I, I I'm fairly sure that unless you're you're going to some of the scammy sites and stuff like that like they they, they know right like and, and I and I want to say and this is back to the Adapo Mensa bit as well is maybe they're their maybe their plan was not to win this year or if they won it was going to be and how i say it on accident right and so maybe when we say well why didn't they get a number two receiver why didn't they do this why didn't they do that it was like well they couldn't do everything right so they felt like they did the best thing they could for the future which is to get a bunch of secondary players in there try to develop them they're thinner there frankly than they are at wide receiver which is hard to do and and just say if we if we if Adam Thielen doesn't turn out if KJ Osborne doesn't turn out you charge it to the game you move on to 2023 and we weren't get that good anyway and we didn't have the resource to be that good right so that's a little bit of a point I want to make on like what they could have done maybe that's that was their thought process on the O'Connell thing it's absolutely like if if they change anything up like let's say they go more you know, let's say they do, you know, they run Dalvin Cook more or, or they, they go more pass happy. They go with, you know, more Irv Smith or something like that. People are going to be like, well, what you did work the first five, six games of the year. What the hell are you doing? And it's like, well, no, actually it didn't work. Like they just played the Bears and the Bears suck. And and, and they're starting Skylar Thompson of Kansas State. Uh, every man, a wildcat. Emaw is, is starting against them yesterday. And like and Andy Dalton, which, by the way, Andy Dalton's played pretty good football. Um, so far this year, but you're playing Andy Dalton in London. Um, 
and and you're playing in week one a quarterback that's been using LSD all all offseason and Aaron Rodgers. So like hey, he was licking know, mushrooms, okay? Yeah, different. yeah. Like it, 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 it's sort of I like I said, I think most Vikings fans and observers know that this team still has to kind of turn it around to still be a real good team. I think they're and and yeah, observing the team, I'm happy that they've won five or six games. It's just like, but they do need to change it. And I think that is really the 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 tough thing for O'Connell is. I think he's been really good on the margins. I think he's done a good job of hiding his quarterback to this extent. I think he's done a good job of the end of halves have not been a disaster for him the same way they were with Zimmer. Like the special teams have been great. Uh, I I think the special teams coach for the Vikings is going to be a future head coach in this league. Like all this kind of stuff is great on the margins, but like the core things that they're supposed to do, which is play efficient offense and and stop people on defense, they simply haven't done and, and they do need to change it up. I never thought I would say this about any team. The special teams is keeping them alive. I'm not even kidding. Like mm-hmm. they are at the top of the league in average drive start for and against. And the other day you get a three and out, you get pinned back and your punter just changes the game yeah. with a 73 yard punt. Six of his 10 go in the 20. Like when you're, when you're asking Teddy Bridgewater to come in and go 80 yards or 85 yards down the field to score and Miami can't even run the football which uh, was just a a laughing stock, their offensive line. So they couldn't even really effectively run the ball. Like something like that is, is one of those around the margins things that they hired an absolutely brilliant special teams coach. And you see the impact of that. I think that they hired a really good offensive line coach and that we've seen aside from this Miami game, more out of the offensive line than we have in the past. We've seen development of Christian Derrissaw, until the Miami game, we've seen better play from Garrett Bradbury. And I think that a lot of those things have played into how they've started five and one. It's just that, like you said, can you really rely on 73 yard punts all the time? Can you rely on last minute fumbles all the time? And I think that's the whole point where, you know, somebody sent me a tweet today and was like, where do I write my apology letter for us being five and one? And it was like, well, the, well, that's not really what anybody's getting at when they're talking about this. It's after the game, Kevin O'Connell says, we can't play like that from week to week and still expect to have a great season. Yeah, you, I, I also you, am curious. Sorry, go ahead. If you bet on the Vikings against the spread, you've lost four games and won two. Like it, it's still like a weird, you know, like you you've made more money betting on Detroit against the spread this year than you have the Vikings. And and so there's there's this clouded weirdness of like they're they're not reaching market expectations, but they're still winning. They're finding that like they're finding that that crevice in the expectation that I never thought Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk Cousins led team could. And, and I, you said it's like it is the special teams. It is the stuff that when those two were hired, O'Connell and Mensa, they said, we're going to work together. We're going to try to like we're going to try to be a holistic group and stuff like that. And like we all thought and, and I think for the most part, it's all kind of like words, but having a special teams that is not a disaster and and understanding to take 40 seconds off the clock at the end of the first half, as opposed to letting Jesus take the wheel with timeouts. Like you will like that is those scores matter and, and and those yards matter and and they're, they're being helped out there in that regard. But I, I don't think anybody has to apologize if they doubted the Vikings. Like this is not a team that is necessarily good. They just won games. Well, and I, I, I think that the person's point was like, do I have to apologize for being excited about them? And I, and I think the answer is no. Like, of course you don't have to apologize for being excited about five and one because it sets you up to be better, to make corrections 
And of course, the schedule is still not super scary the rest of the way. And I think in the long term, what it does is it allows for certain things to happen sort of naturally, which is you have a good season here, but Cousins doesn't have the numbers that he did before. And you start to look toward the future and say, well, we've got a lot of bones of something for the future with Justin Jefferson, of course, starting out there and draft picks that you made for the secondary that you're hoping will eventually come to fruition. But the emergence of some players like uh, Cam Dantzler, Cam Bynum, guys who can be on rookie contracts and go into the future with you, uh, you know, guys like that. And you could say we could we could have a winning season then draft a quarterback, play it out with Cousins through the next year where he's under contract and turn it over to the next guy and then have some of these players like Darisaw, like, you know, like, uh, you know, whoever else that they've drafted recently on the offensive line, Cleveland and Bradbury and whatever, staying together for a long time. And you can sort of see it all kind of come together like the, the lady with the numbers and the gif there, you know, right? So my question to you, though, is, and this is like mostly tongue in cheek, but a little bit of serious. Should no one ever draft a quarterback again? Like, what is going on? I was looking at these uh, last four drafts. Like you said, Kyler Murray is struggling. Daniel Jones is bad. The rest of that draft class didn't work out. Joe Burrow is a megastar. So is Justin Herbert. Tua on the fence so far. Hurts might be a star. And and everybody else, man, like Mac Jones might have lost his job to Bailey Zappi. Um, you have Kenny Pickett that I don't know that he can play. Trevor Lawrence is sort of like sputtering around mm-hmm. where he makes progress and then has a step mm-hmm. back. And I, I mean, we've talked about like the draft, a quarterback thing is a solution for the Vikings for a long time, but now I'm seeing like Mariota and Geno Smith and these other two, like I I'm mostly kidding, but I feel like the, the way that these draft classes have gone has got to be a little bit scary for teams. Yeah, I, I see. I disagree vehemently, and and here's why. I I don't like you when we look at what the goal is. It's to win, right? And and in a league, and and I I agree that like the easiest path. We all watch the four twenty five game, Buffalo Kansas City. That's the path. Find a guy who is, as the kids say, him, and nothing else matters. You, you know, Mahomes is thrown to a guy named Sky Moore, right? Like you know, we we have you know that that's the way to go about it, but. Everybody else lives in a different reality. And the, the hard part is, is if Geno Smith keeps playing this way, like he does, he's not on team control. That that dude's making 30 million next year. And then life gets really fair when you're paying Geno Smith 30 million bucks, right? Just like it got fair for the Vikings when they paid Kirk Cousins that much money. So I look at a team like the Jets, for example, a team that my podcast, former podcast co-host derided significantly. Zach Wilson's not playing great football, but you know what? When you can sign Carl Lawson and when you can sign Lakin Tomlinson and 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 uh, you know Dwayne Brown on a pinch, right? Like the Vikings could never sign Dwayne Brown with the quarterback contract they have, but the Jets can just write it off because they got a quarterback making hardly any money. You know, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, a big free agent signing, Vi- old Vikings friend Tyler Conklin, tight end. You know, to go along with C.J. Uzama from the Bengals, over and over. And then and you're like, why are the Jets good? It's like. My brother in Christ, they got every freaking player on the team. Like, you know, they, they, and they, and of course they're going to be good. And, and I think even think about this, like tr- the bears with Trubisky have made the playoffs more than the Vikings with cousins have, because again, when you got that quarterback, he doesn't even have to be good on a rookie deal. You can just shovel talent around him and, and it, and it becomes a thing. 
since 2012, every single Super Bowl except for one has included a quarterback on rookie deal money. And 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 you look at the Eagles. Is Jalen Hurts good? I don't know. And that's the beauty of it. I don't have to know because he's got AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, um, you know, Lane Johnson. Uh, you know, they go and get Hassan Reddick back. You know, former Temple guy to play defensive end. They got uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, James Bradbury. Like the, they just got players, and so. If you can get Cousins off your books and you can get a rookie quarterback in there, and then you got Jefferson, which I, I've said this before, signing re-signing Jefferson is, is going to be harder than it sounds. You get Jefferson in there, and, and you start to build this thing up. I think next year is going to be a, a little rougher of a year than people believe, but you got to draft a quarterback because the, the blueprint is there. And unfortunately, the seasons you're seeing out of Mariota, the season you're seeing out of Geno Smith, they're pop-up years that they're, they're transient. They just happen. And at least when you get a guy like Mac Jones going 10 and seven for new England, you don't have to sign him to that big deal. Right. You know, when you get a quarterback on a rookie deal, you can, you can see that success and not immediately have to pay for it uh, the next year. You know, if, if the Falcons decide to go with Mariota, they're going to have to pay him right now because he's not on team control. Same thing with Gino in Seattle. And so, that is the way to like build a roster is to have that quarterback where the the concerns about his money are 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 fixed and, and then you just if he's good you shovel talent around him and if you're the Jets and if Darnold sucks you just move on and then you know you you try again with Zach Wilson and you try again with the next quarterback and, and you know if you hit on all those guys at once then you're the Jets and you're walking into Lambeau Field and you're winning twenty seven ten and 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 that's despite a quarterback who. I will, you know, as a Zach Wilson supporter early on, I, I will say it's not played great. Yeah, I think that um, the advantage remains as large as it ever was or as that we thought. But we've just seen so many of these go up in flames recently that it's really stood out that when we were told certain draft classes were going to change the entire face of the NFL, it hasn't happened, which has opened the door to your Geno Smiths and your Marcus Mariota's and teams making desperate plays at quarterback, like trading for Matt Ryan, trading for Russell Wilson, uh, because the quarterbacks were not there to draft or they didn't hit on them. If, if Denver hits on Drew Locke, then they'd be talking about doing the same thing, but instead he was a miss and Jalen Hurts was the hit. So Philadelphia gets to be the genius and Denver gets to be the fool right because they made a desperate play for an older veteran quarterback who by the way doesn't run anymore and uh you know if this is his breakout game before we're recording this before monday night football so then sorry no apologies to russell wilson still not it's still not a great move to take a risk on a quarterback who's the same age as when donovan McNabb completely fell apart uh but to your point if we're trying to lay out the vikings timeline this is why it's so important that you take full advantage, and I mean home playoff games, division championship, everything you can uh, to to win this year. And, and I don't know what they could do with the trade deadline with their cap situation, but if there's something reasonable, uh, what, what Robbie Anderson was acquired for a sixth, like get in on these phone calls if you can, because as you go into the future, it's going to get harder. Kirk isn't going to get younger. He is not going to get cheaper because no one is getting cheaper in the NFL so everything aligns for even the Vikings, and there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks to even attempt to trade up or something like that. And I and I completely agree with you that there's there's a lot of ways to be a good team and to be a really competitive team. 
but there's only one way to be a great team for a long time. And we saw it on Sunday when Buffalo played Kansas mm-hmm. city, that's to draft dudes who have insane arms that do things that break my brain, uh, every possession with those two guys. And, uh, there's a couple quarterbacks in this next draft who can do that. I really like Anthony Richardson. I think that people who are like, Oh, he doesn't throw the ball that good or something like what did, First of all, he does like a lot of times their, their team isn't very good, but also like, look at the skill there. Look at the talent there. If you want to win for many years, that's what you're going to have to have. Otherwise you're just taping it together and being like, Oh, what a good story. Our journeyman quarterback is this year, but that will not last. Well, and, and the other thing, and and this is something that, you know, we, we saw like, you know, I was talking to our friend Sage Rosenfels while I was in Nebraska last week. And it was like, there's also the aspect of you have to be able to see with these quarterbacks, the unseeable, because, you know, college, like there's no way he's getting the best. And I know Napier is a decent coach, but like there's no way Anthony Richardson is getting the absolute best coaching. The same way as Patrick Mahomes, when he had Cliff Kingsbury, he was not getting the absolute best coaching. And he goes to, you know, and Andy Reid has his faults, but he goes to Kansas City and the guy's in a, a, a god because the talent is there. You know, same thing with Josh Allen. And, and it took Allen a little bit longer, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's just. The, the way to win is to have a quarterback that overcomes so many things. And without insane talent, it's just going to be hard. And, you know, Brady didn't win a Super Bowl. Stafford did win a Super Bowl. I do think that we also the, – the, 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 um, the lesson here is that variance is a bad teacher, right? When you see a, a, a you know, a five-seeded Tampa Bay win a Super Bowl and a four-seeded L.A. win a Super Bowl, and then everybody after that is like, oh, I guess, okay, all right, Colts, we're going after Matt Ryan, right? We're going after, you know, we're going after Russell Wilson. We're going at, you know, Aaron Rodgers was the preferred choice to Denver, and it didn't work out. And it's like, well, how's that working out now? It's kind of got – got to hit a royal flush for these things to work. And you have to hit a good hand to make to win a Super Bowl anyway. But I, I got to tell you, the Chiefs have made four straight AFC title games, and there's some bad football that that Chiefs team has played over the last four years. You don't have to have as good of, hand, of a hand at the poker table if you're the Bills or the Chiefs. You have to have an, an absolutely amazing, if not perfect one, if you're going to try to emulate what the Rams and the Bucks did with their quarterbacks. And, and so, like – I, I let the and hopefully Quasi believes this if you're a Vikings fan like let the other teams chase that kind of nonsense while the Anthony Richardsons of the world and the uh CJ Strouds and the and the Bryce Young who is fantastic Saturday against t- Tennessee in a loss like ha- the rest of, let, let the rest of the league chase those guys you chase the 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 first round you chase the tried and true thing of drafting a guy with an immense skills putting a coach that you trust in charge of him giving him wide receivers like Jefferson and hopefully if you're the a Vikings fan another guy to pair with Jefferson and and see what's possible because that you know that's really the only formula that works long term in the NFL. Uh before you you go, how many wins do the Vikings end up with? I, I haven't gone through the schedule one by one, but I, I think it's eleven. I, I think it's eleven or twelve. Uh, I think they I think they win this division. Um you know, we'll see. I mean, they're not that good, so they could drop to Detroit a couple times. That you know, they've already beaten Green Bay and, and Chicago both at home. Are although, um, but you know, they, it's just not that hard for them down the stretch. And in fact, as we said here, they could get better. And if they get better, the, the, some of these games are going to be easier than what we've seen previously, which which would be uh, you know a breath of fresh air for Vikings fans. Now the Sumer Sports Show. I have become a listener. You and former NFL GM Thomas Dimitrov doing a weekly show. 
and uh, people can find your work there and at Eric eager underscore now on Twitter, which is just, I copied my friend, Austin Gale, who did the same thing. And uh, it's easy. They can find, you know, some other, there's a con, there's like a state Senator in Texas named Eric eager, unfortunately. So uh, kudos to him for, for squatting on that first. Mm, I'm not going to make any jokes and I'm just going to end the show. So uh, great stuff, Eric. Great to get together with you again. We will do it again soon, sir. Thanks for having me.